All right, it's Rock and Roll Death Brigade podcast with me, Randy Rocket Cody of TheMetalDen.com. It is June 27th, 2022, Monday. Hope everyone's doing good and had a good uh, weekend, spent some time with your family and friends, got outside, you know, did something that... uh, Got maybe got some exercise. You know, you definitely need to get out there and get some sun rays. That's that's one of the most important things. Uh, before we get rocking with some music, you know, got a lot of ground to cover. So we're going to talk about the some of the latest stories you'll find at the MetalDen.com site, as well as my personal site, RandyRocketCody.com. All sorts of craziness going on, of course, in Motley Crue camp. So we'll get to all that stuff going on. We you know we've got to talk about the latest going on with Tommy Lee. And his uh, broken ribs and all of that good stuff. Uh, but right now we've got the uh, latest stories. Nasty has debuted a Resurrection uh, single. That's uh, off their uh, latest. Uh, that's uh, through Century Media Records. Ozzy Osbourne has announced Patient Number 9 album. And he's dropped the title track. Uh, it's a music video. It's Hey, you know what? I, I tell you what. Now, I haven't been a real big fan of Aussies in, in recent years, but uh, and I'm not really a big fan of this track, but the last half of this video, for some reason, I just really got into it. Um, thought it was really well done and entertaining, and the song worked with it. It's not the greatest song, but you know what? It's, it's, it's one of the better ones I think that he's done in recent years. Uh, so we've got uh, Megadeth as well has dropped uh, a new single, We'll Be Back. As well, a uh, music video with that one. So we got some more details on the uh, uh, Tommy Lee situation. We'll talk about that here as well. Scenery uh, is going to perform at Rockstat Extreme Fest in Romania, August 5th. So you can check out the details on that as well. But before we get uh, talking more about uh, what's going on with Motley Crue... Uh, I will be appearing on the radio again, FM Rock Radio WQEE 99.1 out of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, with my friend, host Ryan O'Neill. And we're going to be talking on uh, July 6th, uh, Wednesday, at 9 a.m. Eastern. And we'll be talking about... uh, the Zodiac Killer. So that's going to be a real good one. Uh, that investigation I've been working on, I have some new details on that, some new reporting. You'll be able to check out. As well, we'll be talking about uh, the coming vigil for uh, Chester Bennington in July. You know, July 20th is his uh, fifth anniversary for his uh, his passing. And so I've been investigating still on his situation, uh, as I have been all these years, since 2017. Of course, that is as well. Uh, Chris Cornell's birthday So very interesting So we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about uh, You're going to have um, Some different stuff That's that's uh, besides the uh, Some reporting that you're going to see Besides the music you're going to get to check out That I think is going to keep you really entertained uh, But Really the big story of them all You know that everyone's just going crazy about And it's really been blowing up online Is the story that's come out about uh, Vince Neil allegedly attacking 
Tommy Lee and uh, tackling him into the drum kit, and that's what supposedly is what injured his side that he got the four uh, broken ribs. And so that's why he's limited to how much he's playing at the concerts right now on the stadium tour. You know, it's it's uh, a real shame. You know, fans have waited all these years uh, to see this, you know, several years now, to see this uh, big comeback. You know, it's twice postponed because of COVID. And now they, they are really trying to cover up the fact that something's going on here, uh, that they're covering up this story. Uh it must be true, you know. It's it's as sensational as it sounds that he he had gotten into some kind of a shouting match during rehearsal with Vince Neil about Vince Neil's uh, poor performance during rehearsal, and uh, he started using derogatory uh, words, uh, phrases like uh, "fat boy," Vince Neil, like he likes to eat a lot of meals. <laughs> That's that's been a big one online uh, that uh, I didn't make that up, you know that I saw that's that's been around. So uh, that that I guess really got to Vince and he he straight up just lost it, and so that's the story that everyone's want to know about. There's a whole lot more details that are coming out uh, each day, and I think it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. So uh, I think fans need to just. Keep checking out, you know, the latest updates at themelden.com, as well as at randyrocketcody.com. That's where I'll have uh, the Zodiac reports will go up, as well as for uh, Chester Bankton. Those, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have those ones uh, at the Metal Den to commemorate. And we will do a vigil, a vigil for uh, Chester Bennington on that date on July 20th. But I will be back on the radio talking about the Zodiac Killer and Chester Bangton with Ryan O'Neill. You can uh, follow me on Facebook, Randy Rocket Cody, or on the Twitter, Randy Rocket Cody, to find out what's going on and how to get linked up with everything, okay? All right, well, before we get rocking with some music, I just want to say, uh, hey, big thank you to everyone that support my work out there and getting it uh you know out to the to the masses you know that's what my site's all about or my sites i should say uh getting it out there to as many people as possible uh, by any means necessary and really it's it's you people out there who are sharing my work uh these websites out there we've got the uh this is called the pit we are the pit.com they posted my story about uh tommy lee and and, and Vince Neil fighting, uh, all sorts of sites have been posting it. So it's pretty crazy. Oh, we got a site called Heavy, H-E-A-V-I. It doesn't have a .com, but what they are, they're a channel, I guess, on YouTube. And they posted a story, um, a whole video about my story that I wrote uh, on, on this whole situation with Motley Crue. So that's featured. I'll, you'll get to check that out here. And uh, pretty fascinating stuff, how the story continues to build. Now, Motley Crue camp will not uh, deny uh, this report. They, they will not say exactly what happened. We've got the uh, wife of Tommy Lee saying that uh, Tommy Lee had fallen down some stairs carrying luggage. Okay, that's what she expects us to believe. I, I mean, this guy's worth so much money. You think 
he can't have somebody carrying his luggage, the, the driver or somebody that's going to carry. That, that one doesn't really fly with me. <laughs> and then you've got the other one, the big sensational story. The big sensational story besides the one that I put out that now is starting to hit, that everybody's starting to see, is a story that uh, Barry Manilow, Barry Manilow, the, the, the old 70s star, popular music star, he supposedly attacked, or not attacked, but um, hit on, like, you know, tried to make a move on Tommy's uh, lady. And Tommy Lee and him got into a fight. And that's what they're, this story is out there. Okay, this, I'm talking about complete BS. That's the most ridiculous story I've ever heard. Barry Manilow is going to be at, the, at, a, at a Motley Crue concert. Yeah, right. The guy's like 80 years old. Anyways, um, so the story that's written, my story really is the one that's, that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And people are really just reacting to. And so that's, to me, that's the story that's it's like the cream rises to the top. There's got to be a whole lot of truth to this now because... They, they won't come out and say exactly what happened. You know, it makes a lot of sense with the way that the rehearsals went down. They wouldn't show no footage of that to nobody. Uh, you know, yeah, Def Leppard was playing warm-up shows at, at the Whiskey. You know, Motley Crue wasn't doing any of that stuff. So there's obviously some turmoil going on in uh, Motley Crue camp. And, and a lot of, uh, look, it's, all you got to do is look at the history of, uh, Vince Neil and Tommy Lee have generally, you know, they've not gotten along. They're like a love-hate relationship. And so there's been a lot of back and forth with that. A lot of, I guess, what this is all about is that uh, Vince Neil's uh, inability to get sober because uh, Tommy Lee got sober. And uh, I guess he's been really riding to uh, Vince Neil real hard, Tommy Lee, that is, about not being sober. And so because he's not in his peak you know, performance, you know, when he's not, you know, he's not in, in his best shape, you know, and he's, he's focused on getting drunk and, and, and eating, and that's more important to him, then that's, you know, that's, that's a problem. Not just for Tommy Lee, but for people, I think, I think a lot of people are, don't want to see Vince like that. First and foremost, that's, you know, you're a walking heart attack. So, anyways, somehow this has been something that's beyond, you know, this is, and before any of this reporting that I've done, this has been an, is an issue, situation in the band. And so that, that's got to be understood right, right off the bat. Now, Vince Neil himself is a very, very loose cannon. Anybody knows and follows Vince Neil knows that the guy, anything can go in, in any time with Vince Neil. You know, he's, he's been known to fly off the handle and, and he attacked a, uh, a fan with the whole thing with Nicolas Cage. Uh, I guess the lady was trying to ask for an autograph, and Vince Neal thought, you know, he, anyway, he, he ended up taking the lady to the ground by her hair, threw her to the ground. And that was all went through courts, I guess, the courts. I'm not sure exactly how that all worked out, but I can tell you this, that, you know, he's had a whole lot of other incidents, you know, hit, hitting a, a valet with a pizza box because the valet did not want to give him his keys because Vince Neal was too drunk. So Vince Neal, this is at the, uh, I believe the Rainbow Bar and Grill in Los Angeles, in Hollywood. He hit him over the head with a pizza box. <laughs> I'm not making this up. 
Be Real from Cypress Hill on his podcast uh, reported that. So, you know, and then he's 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 known for uh, he had attacked the sound guy at one of his shows because he wasn't happy with how the sound was going. So he attacked him all sorts of uh, different times. He's gotten into altercations and uh, flies off, flies off the handle and, and loses it. So there's a there's a lot you know, pointing in the direction of this makes all the sense in the world as to why they're trying to cover it up. Why Motley Crue doesn't want this story to get out. You know, they're planning other stories out there now to try and throw people off this story. So that, to me, makes makes me more interested in finding out more details of the, well, what really did happen. And, and if, if this is exactly what happened, then let's drive a truck through it. You know, it's, there's a big story here. Uh, look, this is a, a train wreck, this Motley Crue comeback. You know, how, however you want to look at it, you know, it's a nostalgia trip back mem to, mem you know, to memory lane. <coughs> this has been a complete disaster for Motley Crue. And we're only in a weekend. We're only a week in on these shows. And what's going to happen next? I mean, this is Tommy Lee is only playing three songs a concert. 70% of the concert is being played with a different drummer who is, who's not a, a member of Motley Crue. So fans are, are obviously upset. You had a rain delay that what happened the other night, and fans weren't told anything. They went, they just ended up leaving because they didn't think they'd be on their show. And Motley Crue ended up coming back on ninety minutes later, and those people weren't told anything, you know, by the venue, and those people just went home and they missed the the rest of the concert. So. Anyways, just all sorts of craziness going on, especially with, as I said, with the Tommy Lee situation. So we'll keep you uh, posted. Uh, I'll do my best. Uh, any of the different updates that I can do and the different websites that might have an update on it. Uh, I do appreciate all the support out there for all the other different sites that are uh, posting my news and, and getting out there to all the, the different metalheads all throughout the world. So with that said, thanks again for all your support. Horns up. Let's get rocking with some music. There has always been a certain level of drama surrounding Motley Crue. However, this may just take the cake. Now, as many of you may know by now, Motley Crue's legendary drummer, Tommy Lee, broke four of his ribs just before the beginning of Motley Crue's absolutely epic, the stadium tour. With some ticket packages costing upwards of $4,299, this tour was meant to be a massive, massive comeback for Motley Crue following their previous breakup as well as multiple years of delays due to world events. On the first show of the tour, Lee would play a couple of songs at the beginning of the band's performance. However, he would later let the audience know that he had broken his ribs and that Tommy Clefettos would be filling in for the rest of the performance. Lee, however, did not disclose exactly how he broke his ribs, and the alleged reason may shock you. Website TheMetalDen.com would report that they received a tip as to how exactly Tommy broke his ribs. A source close to the band would report that a fight broke out during the band's final day of rehearsal between Tommy Lee and Vince Neil. A fight that would ultimately, allegedly, 
caused the injury to Lee. The anonymous source would report, quote, Tommy was making jokes about Vince's weight problem, and he just kept calling the singer derogatory names like Fat Boy and Vince Meal during band practice, escalating to a big confrontation between the two. Prior to the beginning of the tour, Vince Neal was under immense scrutiny regarding his poor physical condition, which ultimately meant that his singing was not up to par where it should be for shows of this caliber. However, it was later reported that Vince Neal would be getting into the best shape of his life with a revolutionary fat burning and muscle building device. Now, it's understandable that a vocalist's voice ages, it changes with time, and ultimately the performance of that voice declines. However, like I mentioned before, when you're paying over $4,000 for a wild side ultimate package for the tour, fans would want to see Vince Neal in tip top shape. Apparently, Tommy Lee did not think that Vince had put in the time and effort necessary to go on this tour. He voiced his grievances and ultimately paid the price. If these rumors are in fact true, Tommy should have definitely taken a more constructive route to voice his thoughts, shall we say, to vocalist Vince Neal. Violence, of course, is never the answer, and Tommy Lee is no doubt heartbroken to have to sit out most of these shows that everyone, including the band, has been highly anticipating for years now. What about you? What are your thoughts? Given what we all
So how do you end up working with Motley Crue? Well, it was kind of a two-part thing, which was I was working at Licorice Pizza, and Nikki came in the store with his then-girlfriend, Evelyn Roth, who was a German uh, fashion model. And we just got really talking about music and bands. Like, you know, we both really like Sweet and David Bowie. And I don't know, it was kind of a lively conversation and felt like kindred spirit. And he, like, invited me up to the apartment that he shared with Vince and Tommy on Clark Street and... I went and hung out there, and then he invited me to meet Alan Kaufman, which was their uh, first manager. And I went to the Whiskey and saw the show and met Alan, and, you know, I was just, like, gung-ho to, like, jump in and work with them. So I did um, a lot of displays for them, mostly in licorice pizza stores, and um, the display window that me and Maury Howe did at Licorice Pizza on Sunset was what Tom Zutat saw and went in and saw Motley Crue at the Whiskey and then he signed them to Electra. But um, my time with Motley was cut short because when they signed with Electra, that was when Doc McGee and Doug Thaler stepped in as managers and uh, it was just after their either after or before their uh, Santa Monica Civic date where they had Elvira and all that. But it was interesting because they had uh, they had mannequins on stage with them and cut them up with chainsaws at that show. And in the display that we did, we had mannequins holding like different effects of uh, the band and stuff. So, hmm, wonder where they got that idea. But <laughs> yeah, I was watching something last night where you were like the buyer for the store, right? And yeah. you got in trouble and for I buying. A records and uh the district manager said these are better all sell or they're coming out of your paycheck and i was like oh shit you know i'll be working for licorice pizza forever for free <laughs> but yeah they did go so well not all but enough so that she didn't like one feel the need to discipline me do you still have one of those initial pressings god i wish i did i it's like i helped shop the band to the labels and you know alan coughing gave me like 50 of them right but no i do not have it so and so are you kind of working with alan kaufman as his assistant well alan was a real estate guy so he didn't really know much about the music industry so i really helped with marketing the green world too fast for love album and uh i shopped them to a few a and r people i mean i know i shopped it to john kaladner and he didn't like Vince's voice. He thought he was too nasally. I mean, there were a few others as well. I mean, I did whatever I could to help them. It wasn't like I had all these contacts either. And there was a bad falling out with Alan and the band, right? Um, I don't know exactly what happened there, but it was like he was there and then he was gone. And at the time... He owed me $3,000, which I still never got. So if we put interest on that, <laughs> probably be a pretty good sum at this point. Didn't he invest a lot of his own money into Motley Crue? Well, rumor had it that he like had taken the uh, advance check from Electra. I don't know if that's true or not true. but Did you ever hear from him or probably didn't actually hear from him directly, but did you ever hear anything about him? Not really. I tried to ta track him down because he owed me money and it was just like, it was just like, poof, he was gone. 
And so what do you remember about that Motley Crew apartment? What was the address there? You know, it's like the building I lived in with Guns N' Roses was like only like two buildings away from the Motley Crew building. And I ended up living in that building, too. Um, it had a swimming pool, the apartment that Motley Crue lived in. It's like one of those things where there's like underground parking and then there was like apartments below and uh, they got in the habit of throwing garbage off their balcony into the, <laughs> the apartment's patio below. And I think that's how they got evicted was uh, from that, um, throwing the garbage down there. But <laughs> When they got evicted on the door, there was a movie poster that said the beast within and the door was like hanging on its hinges. And uh, I wish I had taken a photograph of that. Little did I know, you know. (laughs) What did it look like on the inside? Basically a teenage boy crash pad. I mean, all the apartments then had those horrible Berber carpets in there. And, uh, you know, it was nothing special. But... I think by the time they moved out, there was something definitely de- demonic living in there. <laughs> <laughs> Where did they move after that? Did they still live they together? In, no. I think Nikki moved in with Lita Ford and Coldwater Canyon. That's what I remember. And not really sure where Tommy and Vince went, but um, Mick always lived in like Redondo Beach. I mean, he was never really a part of it. He's like a decade older than those guys at that point, I yeah, think. I didn't right? want to deal with that shit. I mean, come on. Right. How would you describe Nikki at that time? You know, he was pretty functional for as much stuff as he was doing. I thought he was a genius, you know. He got beat up a lot and uh, had a couple gnarly black eyes, but he was driven. Let's just say that. You knew he was going to pull it off. What were the things that made you think he was a a genius? Well, he was always talking about future things like stage backdrops and clothes. And it's interesting because I manage a band now called Lovely World. And I flew to meet with Ray Brown with the singer last weekend. And Ray made the theater of pain clothes for Motley Crue. And we were talking about that iconic black and white suit that Nikki wore and the pink thing that Vince wore at that time and stuff. It was just kind of interesting how girly it really got. When I think of Nikki, though, I do think of him in that black and white suit. I mean, it was quite iconic. Oh, yeah. I mean, very Steven Tyler-ish, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, and so any favorite Nikki stories from that time? I remember having a conversation with him on the phone when I was working at Licorice Pizza and they had just gone to Canada and they got like their uh, handcuffs and whips and chains and I think some porno mags or something taken at the border of Canada. And I was like, yikes. I go, you better like watch out what you're doing. You know, you're going to catch a disease. And he said, I'm not going to catch a disease. I'm going to spread a disease. (laughs) I was like, good luck with that. Any experience with Mick? Any kind of uh, stories with him? Not really. Like I said, he didn't really hang out. Right. What about uh, Vince? What was he like at that time? He was pretty wild and crazy. I remember he licked my face when he came in to enter the Dragon once, which was one of my favorite clubs back then. And uh, he always had a posse of girls and he was into the mud wrestling and that sort of stuff. And then what about Tommy? How, How would you describe him back then? 
he was like wild and crazy. I quite liked Tommy. He was the youngest and he had sort of a flamboyant, let's have a good time attitude about everything. Any favorite stories there? Um, I do have one memory of him like leaving the rainbow <laughs> and there was like a limo out front and he and Nikki were walking out and somehow he had like smuggled out a beer and he like, you know, threw the beer bottle on the ground and it like broke into a bunch of pieces and everybody was washing and gasping. And I was like, fuck, that's rock and roll, you know, and they were the quintessential uh, rock and rollers. That rise to success is pretty quick, right? With them once they get rolling. Oh, yeah. I mean, it seemed like after that Santa Monica Civic gig, they were just gone because they were on the road constantly. And now, did you ever, once they get signed and move on, did you ever keep in contact or see them again? Yeah, I did. I, like, I saw them in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I went home and, uh, you know, they played. And then I, like, took them to some strip clubs in my hometown. <laughs> what year was I that? Oh, God, I'm going to say, I'm not exactly sure, but I would say that it was like 82 or 83. So shout at the devil? Mm-hmm. Okay. Definitely shout at the devil. I do want to say also, I went to the forum to see them during theater pain, and I saw all the things that Nikki had talked about, the backdrops. They were talking about having the drum kit come off the stage, all that stuff. I saw it all come true, and I cried. I was, like, so happy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>